Welcome. This is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. We want to thank you for taking time to listen to our Sun, Salt, and Light broadcast. We want you to know and grow in the Son, S-O-N, Jesus Christ, and be the salt and the light. We'd like to thank you so much for taking time to listen to this broadcast. We simply teach the Bible verse by verse and chapter by chapter, and we believe that God changes a life one verse at a time. I'd like to personally invite you out to come and see the church. Uh, it is a very casual atmosphere, and uh, but we do take the Word of God very seriously. We meet in a non-traditional church building. We actually meet at the BFW 3966 in Divine, Texas. It's located at 211 West College Avenue, big white building right next to the post office. Our service times are on Sunday when we go through the New Testament uh, at 10 a.m. And then on Wednesday nights at 6.30 p.m. we go through the Old Testament. Uh, We have children's ministry available for both services. And if you need to get more information on the church, you can go to calvarydivine.org. Today we'll be in the book of Genesis as we continue our verse-by-verse study. We'll be in chapter 3, verses 14 through 24. The title of this sermon is, The First Gospel Preached by God Himself. Here is the first half of this two-part study. Genesis chapter 3, I'm going to go ahead and read all the way to verse 15 to get us kind of in the right frame of mind here as we dive into this. Uh, And it says in Genesis chapter 3 verse 1, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die. For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant for the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, uh, she, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, uh, with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves for the presence of the Lord God. Among the trees of the garden, then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, "Uh, The woman whom you gave me, she gave me uh, of the tree, that, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all your days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and and her seed and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel so we left off and the reason why we stopped there is because we have to actually talk about the first gospel the first gospel that was preached was preached by god himself and that's a very important point as god is going to talk about his son coming into the world 
And he switches at that point from speaking about the serpent to Satan. And this is what's going to happen to Satan. And so that's why he says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. And he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Now that word for the first gospel is, is proto-evangelium, uh, proto uh, which is the, the, the first time we see the Redeemer actually announced in the gospel. And so it's very important for us to understand that the, the, the basis of Christianity is because one man sinned. Adam. And, and God's provision for a Savior from sin would take the curse upon Himself. So that's what we just learned in the book of Mark. Is that what Jesus did on the cross, He took that sin of, of humanity on Himself and was obedient uh, to the Father. As God switches from condemning the serpent, uh, he, he starts to condemn, the, uh, condemn Satan. He tells them what's going to happen. There will be a war against mankind, but as the seed of the offspring of the woman. So the woman in question is, is Eve herself. The offspring would, be the, uh, would, would continue to harass all of her offspring. And we're all of her offspring. We're all Eve, <laughs> created from Adam and Eve. And so uh, Satan continues along with his minions to come after us. And that's just how that, that is. And so we inherited sin from Adam. We're born with it. That's something for us to remember because when we, uh, this weekend we're going to learn about the, the decisions you have. You, you either choose to, to follow the Savior or, or you're choosing condemnation. You're choosing to be condemned. Now, when we're born, we're already walk, walking in condemnation until we choose to follow Christ. There's a path of two roads. And, and we have free will, and, and the serpent does everything he can to keep us from following or seeking God. And we need to remember that. That's why sometimes when we minister to people, it seems like we're never getting through. It's because Satan turns up the volume of, of, the, of the world and, and pulls them away or, or, or uh, puts something in, in place of, to where they, they just get distracted and they start following that instead of seeking God you'll see times where people will come very close to to like they're about to accept Christ and then all of a sudden they just back away and they run now this is the first gospel and I love this because this is the first gospel and it's preached by God himself and the congregation was Adam and Eve so as a pastor even if two people show up we're happy even if nobody shows up we're still teaching God is our, our audience. But God declares war on Satan. He says that the Redeemer, Satan, would be bruised by Christ's heel. With Satan's head uh, and, and, and then defeat him. That he would bruise Satan's head and defeat him. So we know in John chapter 12, verses 31, it says, Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. The ruler of this world now is Satan. And we've kind of gone over that, and I know it seems like we've been in Genesis for so long, and just in chapter 3, but it was very important for us to understand who our enemy is, but who our Savior is too. The Son of God became man to defeat the devil. And the cross guarantees that the, that, that the enemy's been defeated. We have victory already. But we have to choose to follow Christ. Jesus disarms. 
He's the one who has victory. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Having disarmed the principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle, I'll get it out, a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. And then we see the promise of the Messiah, the seed that we see here as he talks about, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. And so her seed is the first announcement of the virgin birth. We'll actually look at that as we get into Advent season. And we know that uh, in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 4, it says, Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign, and behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call His name Emmanuel. We know in Luke chapter 1, verses 31, it says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb, and bring forth a son, and you shall call His name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God uh, will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How is this to be, since I do not know, know a man? And the angel answered, He said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of of God, the miraculous conception, the Messiah, the seed uh, coming from the woman, overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. In Galatians chapter four, verse four, it says, "But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born a woman, born under the law." At the perfect time, we had that four hundred years of silence, which was not silent, and we learned that just from the book of Daniel. It's very important that we learn that from Daniel. We saw that God was moving through all these different, uh, all these different nations, the Roman Empire and the Greek Empire, and, and it was just all this stuff that was preparing for the Lord to come in the fullness of time. The seed that defeats Satan. The phrase that he bruises your head and bruises heel reveals the suffering on both sides. The final wounds to the serpent are ultimately devastating. We know that there's victory. In Isaiah 53, verse 5, it says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Suffering and death. And then a bruised heel may be the, uh, the, the nurse until but the crushing of the head will happen to Satan. In Revelation chapter 20, verses 2 and 3, it says, He laid a hold of the dragon and that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into a bottomless pit and shut him up and sent him on uh, and set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more till a thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. We know that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And I love that he puts, uh, I will put enmity between you and your, uh, you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. A battle that's prophesied of enmity. A battle that's prophesied not only of the birth, that we know all of this has happened already. We have prophecy that's been fulfilled. We live on the side of grace. Adam and Eve, Still received grace from God as He took care of them, as we'll see. We see the bruising prophesied. 
the battle, not only the birth, but the bruising. And Jesus' suffering on the cross. In Romans 16.20 it says, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of your Lord Jesus Christ be with you. So we know at some point that Satan is going to be dealt with. But the rapture of the church is going to happen. That's what's next. And that's what we need to remember. We have a, 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 a duty to share the gospel. And we're going to go over that this weekend. Until then, until Satan is crushed, we have a job until we're raptured to share the gospel. To be a witness for Christ. And I love, I heard it this morning on uh, the radio as Pastor Joe was talking about a word and deed. What we do is a word and deed. Meaning that what we, we claim to, to have in our faith is by word and deed. We actually take the word of God and we apply it and we live it. We're a witness of it. There should be faith in that and there should be an action behind it. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, it says, To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception, and in pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. So, child labor. So we know that there is some pain in this already. Because he's saying he's going to multiply it. So there would have been some pain for, for having a, a, a child. Right? And, and so, but it's going to be harder. That's what he's saying. It's going to get tougher. He's going to multiply the pain. To increase it means to amplify it in the Hebrew. And, and you know, as, as any of us, we don't know what that pain is. I always hear men will say, well, passing a kidney stone is like giving birth. And I'm like, no, it's not. You can't compare those two. You know, it's, it's nothing. We have no idea. I mean, if you think about... The multiplication of birthing pains comes from God. It comes from the fall. The pain that you go through. And we know it's, it's very painful in Genesis thirty-five sixteen. Then they journeyed from Bethel. And when, when there uh, was but a, but a little distance to go to Ephraim, or Ephraim, uh, Rachel labored in childbirth and she had hard labor. She ends up dying. She ends up dying. And I love what the New Living Translation says on the second part of the verse because I think when people read that portion of Scripture and they go, your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. I think the New Living Translation says it best. It says, and, your, your will desi- and you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. So the woman will desire to control the husband, but he will rule over you. So it's very important to understand that you have two people trying to rule each other. That's, that's really what's happening in that piece of Scripture. And, and, and that's really a, a problem of the fall. And so if we go into this and into our marriages knowing there's already conflict before we ever get married. Like, we don't think about that part of it, right? There, like, the fall has already created conflict in marriage before you even start. Because you both want to rule over each other. And, and, and it, it's, a, it's sad because that's something that, that our culture now is, is not wanting. That they, when they look at the patriarchy of the family, they don't want men to be in a, in a masculine role of having authority. Our, our culture has done everything it can to, to show that. And if you don't believe me, just watch commercials. How many men are doing laundry now? 
How many men are washing dishes, having their faces painted by little girls as their home as the, as the home father? They used to never be like that. The roles have, have flipped. And it's all because of the sin that's in this world. Now God has called men to, to, uh, to lead his home, not to rule. I think that's part of the problem is like we, if we are to be Christ-like, the rule that God speaks about is in Ephesians. It's, it's in Ephesians. Let's turn to Ephesians 5. Because it says, Wife, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And, I, and I, one of the things that I, I love about these pieces of Scripture is when God deals with both, both husband and wife, knowing that each want to seek the upper hand. That's, that's what, it, what the problem is. But He's telling you that your, your marriage should be Christ-like with qualities. And let's read the rest of those verses. It says, uh, Wives, submit to your husbands, your own husbands, as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the wa- water by the word, that might, be pre- uh, might present her to himself a glorious church, not having a spot, a spot or, or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she be holy without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves, him, uh, him, uh, loves his wife loves himself. See, what, what Satan wants to do right off the bat is to, to put discord in the marriage before the marriage even gets started. And this is part of the problem with the fall. We see the, the, the husband's authority in the home is, is, is in essence to, to, uh, to fuel the, the, um, the, the fuel and lead the, the house in a godly way. But it has to be, the husband has to be Christ-like and have Christ-like qualities to do that. And one of the things that we, we miss in that whole passage, and I've shared this to you, is verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence. So we both have to submit to each other. Out of reverence to who? God. God. In First Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, it says, Let, woman, let a woman learn in, in silence with all submission. And I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man, but to be silent. And you go, well, what does that have to do with what we're talking about? This is the problem right now in the church. Women want to have authority over men. Women want to teach on Sunday. They're not supposed to. It says here in Scripture, you can teach women, you can teach children, but you're not to be teaching the Scripture to men. To have authority over men, to lead in a, in a, in a there are women pastors now that are in a, a place of authority. But again, this goes back to what are women, what is their natural thing to want to do? To rule because of the fall. In Titus chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, it says that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers. Good, obedient to their husband, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Now you read that, and that goes directly against our culture today. The, from the very beginning of it, you know, it says, hey, you, you teach them to, 
to admonish the young women, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, to be chaste, to be homemakers, to be good, obedient to their husbands. And, and that goes against the culture. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 18 and 19, it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands, as fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter towards them. Uh, I had to put that in practice this week. My wife asked me for a piece of pumpkin pie. And I had already got up twice, and this is my gluttony. I, I was on my second piece of pie. And for some reason, somebody hid the pie in the outside refrigerator. So I had to go out to the garage to get the pie. And I was on my second piece of pie, and I just got back putting it up, and then she goes, can I have a piece of pie? And I was like, my face, my face said it all. My daughter looked at me, and she goes, and I was like, I'm bitter. I, I just did exactly what this verse said not to do. And it's funny that, that God tells the husband not to be bitter, and God tells the husband not to do what? Not to chastise uh, the children, because that's our natural thing. And so it's easy for me to go, okay, this is all about the woman. This is all about how they want to rule. No, men have issues too. Okay, I told my wife when I was looking at this, I'm not going to just try to go one direction with this because we both are trying to rule over each other. And then she don't want the coconut. She wanted the, I bought the other kind of, I found the Cool Whip, but she wanted the coconut Cool Whip, which I was like, I, you know, wasn't even thinking. So by the fourth trip, I finally figured it out. And then my granddaughter goes, Grandpa, I want some pie. <laughs> so it's like, God was just like, I, I'm going to keep this up. You got about five more slices. You got to. So it's, it's just something for us to remember that, man, we're in a place of serving as men. Um, and we can naturally find our place in, uh, to be bitter. Um, we can naturally uh, want to not love love her as Christ loved the church. Um, and we have to be very careful with that. And we have to understand because my wife's natural role is to rule over me. And every time we drive, she lets me know because she tells me, why don't you go that way? I don't say nothing because I know that's her natural. That's like, that's not coming from her. That's coming from the fall. And, and I'm like, I, I'm just driving and we, we've driven this way a hundred times. I don't know how many times it's bothered her, right? And, uh, and you know, and I, I'm just like, I'm, I'm sorry. I know that I, I'll take it next time. And so I try to remember when we're driving to go the other way, you know. And I know I drive her crazy with my driving anyway, but she's patient with me and all. But it's just something for us to remember. Like, my first instinct should not be to respond back because that's what Satan wants, is for us to start to argue. He wants us to be in disagreement. He wants me to go, why are you trying to rule over me? And that's not, that's not what she's trying to do. She just sees a better path or she's thinking this would be quicker. And or, you know, or she's on her app and she sees, hey, there's traffic ahead or whatever. And it's like, you know, it's not, it's not worth fighting over. And so that's, you know, if there's any wisdom after 30, we're going to be 37 years this year. Uh, if there's any wisdom of that, it's like, just remember as husbands, your wife's natural role is to want to rule over, and you need to love her and be patient with her and try not to respond every time because that's what causes disagreements because you want to go back and rule over her. Well, don't tell me how to, you know, and that's how you start arguing, and you, you can't fall for that stuff. You need to catch it. 
Because Satan will use it as bait every time. And you need to catch it and say, man, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Love her as Christ loved the church. Remember, you submit to one another out of reverence. So you don't go, well, I'm rule. I, it's, it's my rules. It's my house. I'm going to lead it this way. You're not going to lead anybody that way. They're going to run out the door. Because eventually they're just going to get tired of you trying to, like, it's, she's my helper. I, I was talking to um, my brother Oscar and all um his his wife uh liz just lost her father and so they had to go to los angeles but while she was in los angeles caring for her her father oscar was at home in ido plato doing church and i was like i can't imagine doing church without my wife how hard that would be because she's my helper like i i just can't imagine so i was like dude i'm gonna pray for you because i it's it's I just can't imagine it. So there there are helpers and 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 we submit to each other out of reverence to each other. Love each other. Christ like. Christ like. Uh Genesis chapter three, verse seventeen, it says, Then Adam he said, because here comes Adam's now, because you heeded the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake, and toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. So he gives them two reasons here. He said, you listen to your wife, and you disobeyed a command. You disobeyed a command. You, you chose her over me, is what you did. And that should never happen. God always comes first. Always comes first. God had made it very clear what he could and couldn't do in Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. And 17, and the Lord God commanded man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may eat, you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. The reason we're in the mess that we're in is because of Adam's sin. In Romans chapter 8, verses 20 and 22, it says, For the creation was subjected to futility. Well, uh, not willingly, but because of him who is subject in it, uh, in it in hope. Because of the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together until now. So sin not only affected Adam and Eve, but it affected creation. Uh, futility is a, a depravity. Uh, of and you think about the world that we're in and and just seeing uh, the state of our uh, of our our world, we know that things aren't like they used to be. There's a depravity that's happening, and creation groans for God. It says, "But thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat of the herb of the field." Is one of the versions of there. And in Isaiah chapter five verse six, it says, "I will lay it waste." It shall not be pruned or dug, but there shall come up briars and thorns, and I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain on it. And so God judges, and when God judges, there is a consequence to our sin. That's in Isaiah, and then also in Isaiah 32, 13, On the land of my people will come up thorns and briars. Yes, on all the happy homes in the joyous city, there was judgment that was placed upon Israel. 
Verse 19, it says, "...in the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for, uh, for the dust you are, and the dust you shall return." Now, I love Ecclesiastes chapter 1. It says, uh, What profit has a man for all his labor in which he toils under the sun? It's a rhetorical question. When we labor, you know, we think about the four aspects that Adam dealt with. There was the sorrow because of the futility of, of the hostile environment that he has to deal with. He has the pain, which, which is the thorns, right? The sweat and the tears, which is strong crying on occasion by the labor that's necessary just to maintain life and hope. I would like to thank you for taking time to listen to our broadcast. This is uh, Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. If you're someone like me who is, uh, listens to a lot of podcasts, you can also listen to us on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Audible, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Pretty much wherever you can find a podcast, just type in Calvary Chapel uh, Divine and you'll, you'll be able to track us down. And lastly, I just wanted to invite you out to church. Uh, we are a casual church that meets in a non-traditional building, uh, meaning that we meet at the VFW 3966 on West College Avenue, big white building right next to the the post office. Uh, If you want to get more information about our church, if you need to ask uh, some questions or you even need prayer, just go to calvarydivine.org. And uh, we want to thank you again just for listening to this broadcast of Calvary Chapel Divine Texas, Sun, Salt, and Light Radio. God bless you. Have a good one.